We're going inside them. We're going outside them. Inside them, outside them. And if we get them on the run once, we're going to keep them on the run. And we're not going to pass unless our secondary comes up too close. Don't forget that. We're going to get them on the run. We're going to go, go, go. 
Uh, I'm sure it meant, you know, this game probably meant a lot to him, something that he's been uh, thinking about for a long time and something, a game that he probably had circled on the calendar as a fun day, uh, a fun game for him to, to be a part of. Um, so I was very happy to, you know, kind of leave Sam Hartman or have Sam Hartman leave, you know, basically his, his college career on a high note where he could kind of put his hat on this game. Obviously we still have Stanford next week, but, um, you know, Sam Hartman has been getting a lot of criticism and I think rightfully so the last, you know, few games. Um, yeah. And I, I was excited for him to, you know, kind of leave Notre Dame Stadium on a high note where, you know, he played really well. He has four touchdown passes. Uh, it was kind of a, a good game for him to have overall, just not just with the, the stats, but probably emotionally, mentally as well. No doubt. Yeah, he finished the day uh, 21 for 29, uh, 277 yards, 9.6 average, four tutties and a 94 QBR. So it's a good day for, for Sam. And I'm sad we don't get to see him in Notre Dame stadium with the, with the gold lid anymore. Um, I, I, I know you got criticism, man, but I love the guy. Like I, he's so, yeah, he's so easy to, to root for. I think he's um, been such a first class act and obviously, yes. you know, there's things that we could point on the football field that we haven't been uh, either the happiest and, you know, he's, I also, we've been saying on our podcast before, Nick, that he hasn't been dealt the, the healthiest hands uh, of cards, uh, you know, whether you want to point at the offensive line or the young wide receivers that he's had to work with and other injuries that the offense have had and, you know, a first-time offensive coordinator uh, in the helm for the Irish mm -hmm. because if you look back, you know, when he committed to the Irish, Tommy Reese was the offensive coordinator. He, uh, he wasn't expecting to, to see the changes with, you know, Reese going down to, uh, you know, Alabama and Jared Parker taking over. So even in his short time, he's dealt with a lot of adversity in, in a Notre Dame helmet. And I think he's just been a first-class guy. I Nick, what did you love? I, I There was a picture that was circling around Twitter. And when Steve Angeli went in, I think there was a lot of yeah. hoopla going out. Um, you know, the cameras were on him. And he was pointing at Angeli in one of the pictures saying, yeah. give Angeli his due. Uh, you know, this is this is time for Angeli to sign. And I think that's just a first class move that we've kind of seen no consistently doubt. throughout the year, whether it's, you know, waiting for the Duke quarterback, um, you know, after the game to, you know, pretty much say good game to him and check it to see if he's OK. And the way he's handled his press conferences, he, he's been a, a class act and a great representation of Notre Dame football. Yeah, man, I, I was up in the press box and, and I heard Whitney Houston, I will always love you. And I was like, what's going on? So I, I look at the video board and that, you know, they're, they're showing Sam and that he didn't want, he didn't want any of it. He, he was pointing at Angeli and you know, it's just, it's really cool. You got to love a guy like that. Like it's no, it makes sense why he came to Notre Dame and was voted a captain so quickly. Yes. I mean, just, just an awesome guy. So, um, yeah, again happy for him that he you know finished on a strong note i think the emphasis on play action helped him out a lot this week you know coming off of huh. uh play action you know huh. the clemson game yeah oh, right yeah i never heard of it right <laughs> <laughs> so um you know uh happy to see that you know they made some adjustments as far as the offense goes and and it was successful um he was also doing it behind an offensive line that was banged up and um 
you know, they had um, a couple new starters in there this week. Um, what would you think of the performance from the offensive line, um, protecting Sam, and then also uh, we'll, we'll dive into the run game with it. Yeah, so I was fairly impressed with the offensive line. Obviously, Billy Shrouth and Ashton Craig, uh, you know, being two new guys solidified into the lineup due to uh, injuries to uh, Rocco and Zeke Carell. And I thought they stepped up to the challenge. I thought they gave Hartman plenty of time uh, in the pocket to, to find those young receivers and have those guys have big days where five different uh, receivers had, had touchdowns on, on Saturday. So, and even on the running game, I, I thought, you know, they, they, they held their ground, uh, you know, where yeah. I think, you know, Marcus Freeman is, is going to have to really look at the evaluation if, you know, Ashley Craig may be better for this Notre Dame line, uh, not just for the Stanford week uh, coming up, but for, you know, moving forward 24 and 25, because I know Zeke Carell, um, you know, has an extra year of eligibility. But uh, we, from what we've seen, and, and Nick, I think it's easy, um, you know, for us to debate this, but, you know, th- these jobs are still up for grabs. No one has solidified any yeah. any position in 2024 season Um you know, with the open spots that they're going to have, you know. So I still think it's an open competition for 2024. And Billy Shrouth, and, and with his guard play on Saturday, put himself uh, in that, in that, I guess, competition where I, I can't say that Rocco really has his, his guard position solidified either with the way that he played. Yeah, I I was really impressed with Ashton Craig. I He's just he's so much bigger than Carell and, and it – it's noticeable, uh, you know, Corral w- would fight his ass off out there and, and, yep. you know, he's a great leader and, and everything, but just having that, you know, a, a bigger body in there, it really makes a difference. So I was really impressed with Ashton Craig um, and, and Shrouth as well. I mean, uh, of course, both had struggles at times. I mean, that's going to happen yeah. on your first start, but, you know, as far as protecting Sam Hartman, I don't think he got hit at all in this game so you know i mean that's always goal number one from the big guys up front um so i I was happy with the play of the offensive line we're hearing a lot of rumors that you know of course joe alt's gonna go uh turn pro and it's sounding like blake fisher's probably probably gonna do the same even though you know (laughs) i think he he needs to stay um but it sounded like he's going to go. What are your thoughts on on Blake Fisher possibly leaving? This this is a puzzling one for me, Nick, because you know from from the r- reports and rumors that are kind of going around the the Notre Notre Dame spaces, um, it's it's shocking to me that you know Blake Fisher is leaning towards you know possibly going pro after this season, especially with the way that he's played. I think we've all kind of been a little bit disappointed that he hasn't exceeded the expectations that we've had with him since he's since he's honestly committed to Notre Dame as a high recruit uh, from Indiana, a five-star, uh, you know, obviously recruit that Notre Dame landed. And we just haven't seen it. Obviously, Joe Alt took a lot of that spotlight uh, on the offensive line with, you know, basically his, I guess, come up uh, as one of the top offensive tackles right. uh, in the country, if actually the top tackle in, in college football. So he's kind of been in the background, but – if you ask, you know, around Notre Dame fans, and I'm sure Notre Dame fans listen to this, they, you know, they haven't been overly impressed with with him being 
um, you know, possibly a high draft pick. I, you know, I'd be interested to hear what kind of evaluations he's getting because I'd be shocked if he's still projected as a day one, day two, or even a day three guy because I'm, I'm assuming a lot of NFL scouts are looking at Blake Fisher as still a project. Yeah, I, th- I think it's one of those situations where, I mean, he has the tools, he has the size and, and athleticism and everything, but he just hasn't put it all together yet. Yeah. So for me, I, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you. You know, you come back for a year and really refine your skills and and everything, and you know, you're looking at possibly being in the same position that Joe Alt was in this year. Uh, so. You know, if he decides to go, you know, all the best to him. But I, I really, I really wish he'd he'd stick around for one more year and continue to develop. So. And if that does happen, Nick, uh, you know, I, I think Notre Dame's hands forced where they almost have to go to the portal for a tackle. You know, they they still have options with Emil Wagner, obviously, but you know, he's kind of seen as an undersized tackle. Uh, Tosh mm-hmm. Baker has been part of the program. It feels like forever now. But he Forever, but he has another year of eligibility <laughs> where, you know, if he sees both of our tackles leave, it may be enticing for him to say, I finally get my shot at, um, you know, playing on Saturdays. And I'd be happy for Tosh. Yeah. He, he's definitely been uh, part of the weight room, part of the football program for a long time. <laughs> he's waited his turn. Yes. yes. So I'd be happy yeah, for, no for him on that. But. You know, and then you also have to look at Jagusa. Is it Jagusa or Jagasol? Um, obviously, I, I say Jagasol, but it, who knows? I, I've seen <laughs> both. I've seen uh, obviously yeah. Notre Dame circles call them uh, both, but uh, I have high, high, you know, expectations for Charles Jagasol with just his size. I know he was kind of playing some guard in the spring or early in fall camp, um, but he was also projected out of tackle, so. He seems yeah. like he can maybe move around, but I I feel like just for depth purposes that Notre Dame's hand would be forced to maybe looking in the portal for um, an established tackle. And I did see uh, a Yale tackle who's all Ivy League uh, put himself in there, That's a six nine, three hundred plus pound uh, all Ivy League tackle put himself in the portal, and hey. and that kind of checks a lot of boxes off for uh, Notre Dame grad transfers when when you get someone out of the Ivy league. Hey, we just got to see if he can, you know, get past Notre Dame's academic requirements, you know, I mean, <laughs> coming from Yale. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I, I, uh, I, I agree with you. I, you know, Tosh Baker, he, he's a, he's a grown man now. He's probably got two degrees, oh. you know, he's been in the program forever. So, and he's massive. I, I'd love to see him get a shot. That's if he comes back. Um, Emil Wagner, I, I know the staff's really high on Emil and Jagasol. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have some options, but I agree with you for depth. I mean, you got to always be looking in the portal. So it, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, um, you know, especially if, if Fisher does end up going. But um, as far as those freshman wide receivers, uh, Rico Flores, man. Hell yeah. Put up the first. 100-yard day from a wide receiver all season, all the way since the Fiesta Bowl, what, in 2021? I mean, that is an absurd stat if you stop and think Yeah, that is kind of crazy. I mean, crazy. But anyway, you know, their development, Flores and Great House, it it was great to see Great House, you know, make some plays out there. 
Dude, he looked quicker than I remember. Yes, yes. It, it was good to see that, you know, hopefully it seems like he's come to form um, or recovered, you know, I don't know if it's 100% yet. You know, again, I'm making assumptions here, but I agree with you, Nick. He he looked like he had a, a little extra step in him from the previous weeks where he was only taking, you know, 10 snaps a game. Uh, so hopefully his hamstring's feeling about fully healthy because, you know, I'd love to see, you know, more great house on the field for, for Stanford and then obviously our bowl game coming up because, you know, these young receivers are just going to get better and better the more time that they're out on the field. No doubt. No doubt. Um, all right, let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball here. Um, first one that sticks out, X Watts always seems <laughs> to find the football. When I, like it, it always ends up in his hands, man. It is crazy. Off of that blocked field goal attempt, of course it's X Watts. So uh, he did not come out of the team as a, a senior. Like he didn't go greet his parents. Love that. So I think he's got. I think that's got to bode well for us for next year, man. What What do you think if X Watts is coming back? Next oh, year? I will be ecstatic if X Watts comes back, and I think Irish fans should see that as a good sign that he didn't come out um, and be. Uh, pretty much shown as a senior uh, for for their senior night because I think Marcus Freeman had a lot of these conversations in the previous week during their bye week of kind of what their plans are for the future and these things were all discussed uh, you know prior to senior night to see who they wanted to obviously shine light on and who people are gonna you know kind of you know pump the brakes on and say hey I'll see you in 2024 Uh, I got some unfinished business and with X Watts obviously you know, it's it's safe to I don't know if it's safe. You know, you never know with, you know, evaluations coming right. up. But uh, it's definitely a good sign that it's trending Notre Dame's way that they're going to have another year of Xavier Watts. Yeah, no doubt. I, I when I first realized that he didn't, you know, wasn't a part of the whole senior celebration. I mean, I was ecstatic. You know, I mean, <laughs> if we can get him back next year after, you know, we're going to lose Cam Hart. Um, we'll still have Benny Clamps. Um, but to, to have him back there to really be a leader for the secondary would be huge for 20. Yep. And big so. for that safety room. Cause they're, they're still, you know, no obviously doubt. very young, um, you know, Ben Minnick and Aon Schuler are, are very young. I expect Roman uh, Ramon Henderson to be back because I think he's going to kind of slide into the role of DJ Brown. Um, and we still have Antonio yeah. Carter where he kind of came onto the scene uh, with Notre Dame, obviously being the Rhode Island transfer, um, at kind of a weird time, so he he was still kind of getting his feet wet with Al Golden's defense and coming, you know, getting adjusted to Notre Dame and and learning the system um, just during fall camp. So um, if Xavier Watts is able to, you know, obviously help this or basically stay and help this secondary group with some experience, it only bodes well for Mike Mickens and Jor- and uh, and O'Leary for uh, their group going into twenty four. No doubt. Um, let, let's jump to, uh, the front seven here. Um, what a day again for JD Bertrand, Howard Cross, JJB, um, man, Howard Cross finished with nine tackles, three solo, uh, and a half a tackle for loss Bertrand, six total tackles, five solo, one sack, uh, JJB, five total tackles, four solo, one sack, one and a half tackles for loss. Um, man, the, the crazy thing is, is that two of those guys could come back. Yes. And, uh, you know, they are playing lights out right now. Lights out football. The number one recruit 
for Marcus Freeman going forward has to be Howard Cross. Retweet. Retweet. 100%. 100%. If there's any guy that I could franchise tag right now and say he 100% yes. can stay on Notre Dame's team this year, I'm not even thinking twice. It's Howard Cross. I mean, I, I do have some concerns about our defensive line, especially our interior defensive line going into next year. And, and this dude is just a monster. His – his productivity in the interior part of our de- – this guy is in the interior part of our defensive line is leading us in tackles. That is insane. I mean, that's <laughs> showing that you are just being an absolute disruption to uh, the opposing offense, an absolute disruption where they have no answers for. And, and when you're able to get nine tackles from the interior defensive line position where – I, I'm sure they were sending two guys at him um, at a lot of times during their oh, snaps yeah. and him still being able to say, not a problem. I'm still going to get to your running back. I'm still going to get to your quarterback. Um, it, it's impressive. And I think this guy is so important for next year. If Notre Dame wants to make, um, you know, be in that college football playoff, you know, discussion, he, he is vital. He's vital. He's vital. Yeah. He's a problem yes. for, for the other teams. Like, that that's all it is. I mean, right there, dead center of the defense, and, and he just causes mm-hmm. issues. Like, I, you know, when these other offenses are watching film, they got to be they got to be going crazy trying yeah. to figure out, all right, we got to make sure we keep an eye on this guy. And he's not even a big guy. Yeah. Like, but he just he, – he, his play is phenomenal. So, if you can somehow figure out to get a way to get him back, maybe a Riley yeah. Mills, like, whew. Look out. He so. is so important next uh, year. I mean, he's just so, so yeah. important. I mean, I can't say enough. Nick, he's really important. He is really, really, really <laughs> he's easy. Very, very, very important. <laughs> and I will be devastated if he, and obviously I'll be happy for him. I'm speaking selfishly yeah. as a Notre Dame fan because I'm sure there are people in his corner that have said, you know, how much better can you play right now? You know, <laughs> like you are right. showing really good yeah, film. Yeah. You know, you're kind of at the top of your game. This may be the time to kind of cash in your ticket to see what, what you can get, um, you know, obviously the NFL route. And honestly, I couldn't blame him. With his play this year, he's played himself into a position to, you know, be in, you know, kind of those discussions being, I think, maybe even a day two or day three guy. All I know is I would want him on my football team. Like, I, you know, if you're an NFL guy, I know he's undersized, but – you know the the work ethic's going to be there. The toughness is going to be there. The technique is there. I mean, it, just I would I be like, just watch the film. This is like, you know what yeah, drives I, me insane, yeah. Nick? Are all these these NFL guys, and they'll go to the combine and they'll find stuff that's you know concerning about Howard Cross because, like you said, undersized. Watch the film. This is yeah. the same stuff I heard about about Kyle Hamilton and Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. Yeah. Those dudes are balling out in the NFL. I'm pretty sure Kyle Hamilton's yeah. the top safety, according to PFF, uh, in the NFL right now. But all I heard about was his 4740. How you can't take a safety. Right. Put the film on. Just put the film on, yes. and you'll find guys who are productive. I think that's why Kurt Heinisch is, is still in the league. You know, yeah, he, he was an undersized defensive lineman, and the Houston Texans absolutely love that dude. They love that dude. I think he's still on the Texans, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he sacked or, or was in on a sack against yeah. the Bengals. I'm pretty sure he, he brought yeah. Burrow down. So I'm like, 
And, and it was very similar. That's a great, honestly, comparison or, you know, whatever. But, you know, he was a little bit undersized, but he's just a dude. He's a worker in there. He, he's got a motor that, yep. you know, is unmatched. So we'll see, man. He, he's a big one. Um, hopefully, But he's not that good. He, he needs uh, to come back another year to, put, you know, show some film. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's calm it on down here. You got to yeah. come back here. Um, some other notable news here. Um, this was Swarbrick's and father Jenkins last home game. Uh, Swarbrick was made an honorary captain for the game. Um, a lot of hugs had to be emotional for those guys. Very happy for those two that they can go out on a win. Uh, any thoughts about either of those guys, Joe? No, I, I think they've done an exceptional job. Um, from if you look at the football program that, you know, Swarbrick, you know, when he took over, um, you know, being being the AD, uh, you know, this football program, we were they, in were, a bad they spot. were in a bad spot. <laughs> they, they and while, you know, now you look at it as as he's leaving and going into retirement, um, it's a much better program than when he found it. So I think Notre Dame fans have to tip yeah. your hat to him and, and thank him for a lot of things that uh he innovated as part of the football program um, and also outside of the program with, you know, NBC deals and, you know, getting some facilities updated, et cetera, because that, that all contributed yeah. to, you know, Notre Dame success and where they are now. And uh, I still think their trajectory is still getting into um, that national championship contention. Yeah, I totally agree, man. He, he did a lot of good things. Did he have his faults? Sure. Um, you know, could he have handled the offensive coordinator thing this past spring better? Sure. But overall, the positives outweigh the negatives. I agree with you. Uh, you know, the, the updates on the stadium, he got us the video yeah. board, man, that video board is phenomenal. Yep. So, um, so yeah, practice, all in all facility, happy for those guys, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, we're still looking cause college football is an arms race. So it's always going to be, what's the next thing that you can contribute of to course, your football yeah. program and kind of have that as. Um, you know, basically a sell to recruits that are coming in, whether it's a nutritional area, you know, new weight room, et cetera. There's always going to be something new. But if you look back at all the things that he kind of checked the boxes off for, for Notre Dame football, there's, there's a lot of them that Notre Dame football should be proud of and thankful for. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Cam Rising is off the board as far as a potential uh, transfer quarterback target. Uh, he announced that he was staying at Utah. I know some Notre Dame fans were a little bit bummed about that. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, I'm that, one Joe? of those Notre Dame fans, Nick. I I had I had Seriously, him circled yeah. as a as a guy that I would love, um, you know, Notre Dame to go after. I love guys with experience that have played in big time uh, college football games. He checked those boxes uh, playing at Utah, so I think he would have been a great fit uh, for the Irish if he did test the waters on the portal. However. I always say to Notre Dame fans, think about it last year. There were some, a lot of guys that we circled last year before yeah. we, we landed on Hartman that, you know, we kind of preferred. Uh, I remember the talks of, you know, the Brennan Armstrongs, the Devin, uh, Devin O'Leary's, yeah. um, and then Sam Hartman kind of came out of nowhere um, where obviously Notre Dame fans were ecstatic about, but it will all play out. I, I'm interested to see who kind of puts their – puts their hat in the ring in the transfer portal and see who's maybe linked to Notre Dame or is in discussion with Notre Dame. But Nick, I tell you what, this, this peanut butter jelly time that uh, at the end of games, you know, <laughs> and jelly is making the most of his time, man. He's, he's putting the pressure on my man, Marcus. 
I'm telling you, every time he gets in the game, it is it's extremely impressive. Hartman brought it up in in his press conference. He's like, man, Angeli should just quit right now. He's got like the best stat line ever, and it's true. I mean, he the guy is balling out. So I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Angeli. If he ends up winning the job, I, you know, that'd be great. Um, but I, you know, going back to to Rising, I am a little bit bummed that. We at least don't have the option, yeah. you know, to pursue that. But, you know, at least we know now, um, yep. and it is what it is. Well, it'll be. Well, what, what are your what are your thoughts on, on Steve yeah. Angeli? I mean, here, here are the stats I have pulled up. So he's played 65 snaps okay. this season. He's 19 for 24, 272 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. And during his – now, again, a lot of that time was – you know, maybe against some second, third string guys, you know, kind of, you know, mop up time, as you would say. But not all of um, it. Not, but all, not of it. all of it. Um, you, know. you know, obviously coming yeah. in at the end of the game. But, you know, gosh, those are some impressive numbers. Um, and he's throwing some impressive balls. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the play that he had, um, you know, rolling over to his left. Oh, my God, it was just a couple games ago. But he hit Cooper Flanagan. You know, it almost has, yeah. you know, a remblance of that, you know, this, this past game versus Wake Forest where he hit Jordan uh, Faison, uh, you know, on that post route mm-hmm. um, or that corner route, I should say. Uh, and I heard he he audibled out of it. That's that's the story that kind of came out of, of the press conferences. So impressive that he saw, uh, you know, I think he said zero coverage. Uh, I think Jared Parker said this. And Jer- and basically mm-hmm. he audibled out of it, took his shot and, hit Jordan Faison with with a beautiful ball so god I gotta give credit where it's due Nick I, I may have to put my foot in the mouth and, no and say that maybe we we don't have to look in into the portal as, as hard as as I thought we, we were going to um you know earlier this year hey I I'm with you man I and I'm glad that you brought up you know that he made that check at the line when, when Jared Parker said that I was like okay I, I mean that that is a very I mean, you you have to know a lot about your offense and, and you know also the defense you're going against to to make those checks at the line. So the fact that he's you know has the maturity and confidence to do that while he's out there, I mean that that's that's awesome. And and I love the way the ball comes out of his hand. I love his throwing motion. I don't know what it is, um, but it, it's just such a clean release. There's a tight spiral, and, and he's he seems to have his eyes downfield. So. I, I'm with you. I, I, it's going to be a battle. <laughs> it, it, whoever we bring in, because I, I think we are going to bring in a transfer. I think that's decided. But whoever we bring in, it's it's not going to be just uh, you know a cakewalk for them to to earn the job. Angeli's going to make yeah. it tough. So now I'm with you. Now It'll Nick, you know I think where I, I differentiate where I kind of at where. I love what I've seen in Angeli. I want to give props where it's due. I'm totally still on board of going out to get a quarterback. I just don't think it's as dire as it was last season, you know, last where year. I kind of knew, you know, from, you know, things we saw from Tyler Buckner, um, obviously Steve Angeli, you know, we haven't seen a lot from him yet, but he was obviously didn't have the experience yet. I thought it was absolutely dire for uh, this current Notre Dame team to get a portal quarterback like Sam Hartman. Now, from what I've seen going into the 24 yeah. season, it's not as dire. You know, I'm not saying, like, this is going to, you know, kill our season or not. 
Um, I still think we have a healthy QB, a healthier QB room going into 2024. Now, if we still get, you know, some sprinkles and a cherry on top with a splash quarterback, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to be upset. I, I'm definitely going to be happy about it. But right. I think that's the kind of the difference or the headspace that I'm in comparing, you know, last season to this season or this upcoming season. I, I think you nailed it. I agree. I, it's not as big of an issue this year as it was last year. Um, and so, you know, also CJ Carr is going to be enrolling here uh, next month and he's going to be taking part in bowl practices. Is that right? So, you know, I know. He, yeah. Yeah. He's going to be um, on campus mid-December um and then he is allowed wow. to practice um that's huge team yeah he can't play the, can't play in the bowl game but um yeah the fact that he's going to be there for bowl practices and then a, a full spring i mean you can't count I that dude that. out either i love and, that oh oh absolutely absolutely so it's going to be very interesting um to see what happens um but anyway moving forward a uh, couple more things here for segment one. The Doak Walker Award came out and announced that Audric Estime did not make the the cut. And, man, this is mind-blowing to me. It's it it's absolutely mind-blowing to me. He is the number one rated, rated out uh, running back in the country by PFF. And you're not a... a, a, a one of the 10 finalists for the best running back award. I, I don't get it, man. I, it doesn't make any sense. I, Go off, Joe. I just want to know Go what, who's, who's making these decisions and, and why is, it seems like a popularity contest at this point, then just make it a, then come out and just say it's a popularity contest. It, it you know, I think they have Blake Corum, um, you know, on that list of finalists and, Estimate's had a better had a year. 10 times better year. He's played against better opponents, and it makes no sense for him to be in that list. The only reason that he's on this list, let's just be honest, is because his team's in the college football playoff, and he's had he's he's the popular running back that, you know, a lot of, you know, I would say talking heads for college football circled as, you know, one of the top running backs in college football going into this year. However, we should be going off what's actually going on on the field. What's what's the criteria? Is he right. he's already a thousand plus yard rusher? He's the highest rated PFF uh, running back um, in all of college football with a ninety one point seven rating. I mean, what else do you want this guy to do? And he's done it, you know, against big time opponents. Which again, Nick, this makes, just right. makes me think like, oh my god, how did we only give the ball to Audrey Esme eight times versus Ohio State? But uh, I digress. Yeah, um, yeah. No, he's he's just performed at a very high level, um, you know, all season, despite, you know, the the woes or the losses that Notre Dame has has received during the year that shouldn't count against, you know, what he's been able to do um, at the running back position. And it just disgusts me that, you know, that he's he's already not he's already out of of consideration for being the top running back in college football. I would like to talk to somebody I, there to say what what was what went into that decision because there's no way that it was any sane criteria. Right. I mean, wh what are we doing here? I, I think the thing that frustrates me the most that you just brought up is that 
I could stomach it if it gets down to the end and he doesn't win the award. That's fine. You know, it's it's just individual awards. But when you say that he's not making the cut for, I, I think it's what, the top 10 con- that are in consideration or whatever it is, like, I, I have a serious yeah. issue with that. There's no way. There, there's no way. So if you put him in that final consideration, he doesn't win it. Okay, I can live with that. But this, I mean, there is some clear bias going on. There has to be. I, and it's 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 a popularity contest, like you mentioned. And it's not right. And I feel for Estime because I know this was important to him. Um, and, and it just yeah. sucks for him. So I don't know. It's frustrating. It's really but. frustrating. All right, last thing. Yeah. Uh, a couple more things here for segment one. Did you happen to see the Dave Clawson uh, comments? I about did. Hartman? I think I'm going to surprise you with my takes, but go ahead and for the listeners that maybe had missed this, uh, that just recently happened last 24 hours. Yeah. So Dave Clawson, the head coach of Wake Forest, uh, in a press conference, was talking about how um, you know he he was a little surprised that. Notre Dame showed Sam Hartman on the video board with the the Whitney Houston I Will Always Love You song and he brought up that you know uh they had had him for they dated him for 5 years and then we we only dated him for 6 months how can we love him and uh you know talking about how he was a rental for us and how they developed him and et, et cetera et cetera um and, and here's my take on it he's not wrong I but my take on it is, look, uh, us as a fan base and, and a Notre Dame community, absolutely we're going to love Sam Hartman because he's he's yeah. a lovable dude. He, he's, he has embraced Notre Dame ever since he got here. He's loved Notre Dame. He's been a class act. He's been a class act talking about Wake Forest as well. The guy got his degree from Wake Forest and then decided to transfer. I just don't see the reason why you have to 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 make any kind of issue with it at a press conference after you just got beat 45 to 7. To me it's just a bad look. I I get that what he said was true. It, it was. Um but also on the flip side, this is this is college football today. At least the guy I mean, what he did for Wake Forest in his five years there was remarkable. And, you know, he got his degree. He did it the right way. Then he transferred to Notre Dame for one year. I just don't understand bringing that up. Yeah, and exactly. me, if I'm Sam Hartman, I'm a little bit frustrated. So, no, anyway, I, what are your I think you nailed it on the head. You know, that was going to actually be, you know, I was basically going to take, uh, I have just similar thoughts on the take that you just had. I, I didn't love the way that he described it because like you like you started with, you know, explaining his comments is, you know, he probably does feel that way inside. You know, I, I totally get it. You know, sure. yeah, I, if, if anybody, a Notre Dame quarterback, right. yeah. let's just say it was Ian Book who, you know, had, you know, a, a career with, you know, Notre Dame and he had one year extra eligibility and he went to, I don't know, Ole Miss. And, you know, balled out at Ole Miss and, you know, senior day. And, you know, they have a big, big year. And they let's say they beat Notre Dame. I'm going to probably be a little salty saying, you know, you you were able to, you know, basically get that win off our growth of, of Ian Book. You know, I, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. I probably feel right. 
uh, I would feel very similar to the way that Dave Clawson feels um, right now. However, what I would criticize is you just don't say that out loud. You know, what you want to do is yeah, you know, I, say, hey, we absolutely, I completely understand why Notre Dame fans are, are so enthralled with Sam. Lucky we were able to have him for, you know, five years here at Wake Forest. Yeah. And I'm so happy for that kid. And, uh, you know, I've known his family for five years. He's a class act. I'm so excited to see what he does in the NFL. That's all you got to say, you know. You don't That's need to come off like, say. like you know, taking a shot at Notre Dame and, and coming off as the, the jealous ex-girlfriend. Um, because we haven't taken shots at Wake Forest, and I know there's probably some gripes on the NIL package that we gave no, or Sam Hartman, but he was going to leave anyway. He was going to go get the bag, you know? Like, that's the yeah. best move for him, and he should do that. And I encourage any college football player to, to go get the bag if – um, you know, it's the best suited for, for them and, um, you know, their family. Well, and, and not only go get the bag, he also wanted to play in an offense that was going to prep point. him for the NFL. And, uh, you know, Clawson, you can't say anything about that. I, I mean, you can't blame the kid. He did it the right way. He got his degree. He gave a lot to, to Wake Forest. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm like you. Why? Why say yeah. that in a press conference? Sure, you can say it behind closed doors. You can say whatever the hell you want, but no, you don't put that out into yeah. the. Now, did you see universe. Sam Hartman's Instagram that he yeah. just posted? I oh, did. Go oh, ahead, man. And so everybody obviously, in, yeah. I think Sam Hartman obviously got whiff of of Dave Clawson's, uh press conference regarding his his remarks on on Notre Dame and. Um, you know, Sam Hartman has a perfect kind of troll job on, on what do you say? It's not really his comments, but what what do you call that again? Uh, his, I guess, like I, I'm like blanking um, out. Oh God, why why am I drawing a blank too? Uh, like his, um, yeah, his caption. Thank his you. Caption. Yeah, so his yeah his his caption his is, is stolen yeah. right off the Dark Knight. Uh, his caption is, "You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain." What a perfect. What a I mean, perfect quote to uh, take a little shot at, at Dave Claus's comments uh, this week. So uh, tip my hat to you, Sam Harvard, having some fun with it. Now, I saw this question posted, I think it was on Twitter. Um, so say next year, it's Sunday Night Football, Sam Hartman's a starting quarterback, and he goes to say what college he's from. Is he saying Wake Forest Ooh. or Notre Dame? That's a good question. Do I, I hope he just says Notre Dame. Uh, that, that would be pretty funny to kind of rub in Wake right. Forest's face. But I know. I, I wouldn't take it, you know, if I if he went on there and said Wake Forest, I wouldn't take it personally. I would be like, whatever. But I got to No, I wouldn't either. I got but a funny I thought I was going to say up. Notre Dame, though. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too, man. <laughs> That's you, you talk about Clawson's mad now. <laughs> oh God, he sees that. He's gonna be really upset. So, um, all right, uh, that'll do it for segment one. We'll be back in segment two. We're gonna talk briefly uh, recruiting, um, some thoughts on Stanford and our predictions, and then of course we will answer. Your Welcome back, Irish fans. We are back for segment two. Nick and I are going to dive into some recruiting news here first. Uh, the first pair of news is a commitment for the 2025 class. Uh, Notre Dame landed a cornerback prospect, 
His name is Cree Thomas, a three-star prospect according to 247 Sports uh, out of the state of Arizona in the city of Phoenix. Uh, he goes to Brophy College uh, Preparatory and uh, obviously adds to the corner, the deep cornerback class that Mike Mickens has added so far in the 25 class and 24. So, Nick, what are your initial thoughts on Cree joining the Fighting Irish uh, for yeah, this I'm excited about this kid class. Um, out of Arizona, like you mentioned, and uh, same school as Benjamin Morrison. So, you know, that's always got to be a good omen. Um, but uh, no, I, I think his game is very impressive. I'm surprised that he's rated as a three star. I mean, this kid should at least be a top 250 four star type kid, in my opinion. He just he, he's one of those instinctual corners when you watch his film and um you know, he just he, he seems to find the football. He seems to be uh, very assignment sound. Um, I, I really like his game. I like, you know, I, I think he has the tools to be another uh, impressive talent. And, you know, Mike Mickens, man, goodness, he just he just keeps rolling. Give that man a raise. Yes. What were your thoughts on Cree? No, I, I'm excited. And, and honestly, anyone that Mike Makins yeah. identifies as someone that he wants to add to our secondary room, right. I, I'm not going to second guess. That dude has just brought in talent, um, guys that have been, you know, college ready. Obviously, if he's going back to the well of, of where he found Benjamin Morrison, I'm sure these guys are being coached at a high level um, where, you know, obviously we've seen that with Benjamin Morrison and, He's probably seen that out of Cree already from what he scouted and evaluated during his time knowing Cree. Uh, so I'm all for it. I, I love, absolutely love just kind of the, I would just say the, what's the word I'm looking for, Nick, is basically just the different styles that he's developing and, and getting into the classes where you have, you know, the Christian Grays and you have the Jaden Mickeys and the Benjamin Morrisons. They, and then now you're adding, you know, Carson Hobbs, and then you're adding uh, Leonard Moore, and then obviously Creed Thomas on top of this. You know, they all have, you know, yeah. very instinctual, uh, you know, and instinctual, I would just say, football instincts to the quarterback yeah. position as it is. And they all kind of have their own individual styles that I think blend well together for the classes that, you know, yeah, well said, putting together for the like, you know, also on the flip side, like not on the flip side, but additionally, you know, for the longest time as an Irish fan, I always thought that we could never get <laughs> real great players in the secondary. And Mike Mickens is just, he continues to build that room and it's, it's awesome as a fan because it's such yeah. an important position. So yeah, big pickup for, for the Irish. 100%. So, um, and staying on in the secondary, um, there's a young man we need to talk about. His name is Ivan Taylor. Ivan Taylor, a little bit highly touted, uh, or, you know, highly, more highly ranked recruit than, than Creed Thomas has been rumored uh, to, you know, be uh, possibly silently committed to the Irish or really trending well for uh, the Irish to land. Uh, he's a safety out of the state of Florida. Uh, six foot, 174 pounds. Uh, you know, according to 247, he's the 35th player rated nationally. Uh, you know, fifth highest safety um, and ninth highest uh, Florida player. 
So he would be obviously uh, a very talented player for uh, the the Notre Dame 2025 class to add. What are your thoughts on yeah, Ivan Taylor's trending Irish? Stud. Um, his dad, Ike Taylor, um, played in the NFL for a long time. Um, he was a stud. So, you know, uh, Freeman's continuing those NFL bloodlines, which I know we both love. Um, but this kid, I mean, he he's a, a game-changing type prospect uh, at the back end of the defense. And, you know, so that's, that's something that we need. Mike Mickens has been pulling in these corners. Uh, we got to make sure we're getting um, – you know, those, those really game changing players, uh, at safety as well. And, and I think, you know, Ivan Taylor could be just that, um, you know, a lot of rumors going around, um, but man, if we can get him locked up or if we already have him locked up, I mean, well, what a, what a job by, by Freeman and the entire coaching staff to, to make that one happen. So. Yeah. This, this would be a big-time get for, um, obviously, the Irish when you add a big-time talent, especially when you're plucking out of yeah. uh, the state of Florida down south. Uh, you know, I always think that's a huge, huge win um, on the recruitment trail when you're able to kind of start developing those pipelines. Like we mentioned with Creed Thomas, going back to the same well and same high school um, in Arizona as Benjamin Morrison. You know, when, when you're able to pluck these, these big-time talents from – uh, you know, these schools that are developing a lot of highly rated uh, recruits um, and they're able, you know, these kids are able to see saying, hey, you know, basically Ivan Taylor, you know, was just two grades above me and he went to Notre Dame and he loves it up there. You know, I, if he can do it, I can do it too. And I think it just Absolutely. opens up a pipeline for the Irish. Absolutely. Well, forward. man, I, you, you get inroads in those schools and, and it pays dividends for a while. So I think that's a great point. Yep. So keep keep uh, plugging away. Uh, this this is obviously great signs for the 2025 class. And uh, just to wrap up recruitment real quick, because there's not a whole other whole lot of news kind of outside those two dudes. Um, you know, Notre Dame currently for the 2025 class, according to 247, is currently rated the number three class so far. Obviously, a lot of time um, that needs to pass and a lot of recruits that that need to you know commit to schools, but Obviously, a great start for the Irish. Uh, currently, have nine hard commits um, to the class, and potentially ten with Ivan Taylor uh, when he decides to make his decision. Um, but what are your overall thoughts on on what the 2025 Man, class? I think is it's a great start. I, you know, I, I love, I, I love that. You know, it seems like in past years, uh, early commits were, you know, we were loading up on the big guys, which is a great thing. I'm not trying to make it sound like that's not a great thing, but this year, you know, I mean, we already got, uh, an electric running back. We're getting, you know, uh, we got a corner in Creek Thomas safety, Ivan Taylor. So, you know, I think it's a great start. Um, and, and all this is happening before, um, early signing day, uh, for the 24 clock or for, uh, the 23 class. So, you know, it, it's a great jump start um, for those guys, and and I think I think this could be a special class, man. Yep, yep, and I think a big a big contribution to this is already having a quarterback. I think when the recruits can, you know, basically, you know, especially in the skill positions, um, can basically point to, you know, basically a a headliner of the class. And I think Deuce Knight has that pretty well. Yeah, I can't believe wrapped I didn't bring up, up Deuce. That, you know, 
Yeah. No, no, you're good. I mean, there, there's a lot of, you know, talented dudes already in this 2025 class. And uh, I think it paid dividends for, you know, CJ Carr committing early. So that, that helped with the 24 uh, recruitment trail. And then now that we already have, you know, a, a big time player like Deuce Knight committed on the offensive side, it, it helps out our staff and, um, you know, always plays well when you're able to kind of point to a guy in a class that, you know, is different and is potentially going to take, you know, the program or the top that, you know, other recruits want to jump on board and be a part of. So um, I think they're they're off, you know, the trajectory for this 25 class has, has me grinning uh, ear to ear so far. So I'm excited to see what, totally what agree, happens man. with them. Totally agree. Yep. So, all right. Well, we do have a game on Saturday, Nick, the last game of the regular season. It's kind of crazy that we're – this is the last regular season going to the game. It's I felt like wild. we were just talking about uh, Navy a month ago, but uh, that's that's not the case. We we are here talking about the last game of the regular season. The Irish are traveling uh, to Palo Alto to to play the uh, the Stanford Cardinals. Um, you know Notre Dame is 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 heavily favored according to Vegas. They're twenty four and a half point favorites. The over under is set at fifty one and a half. Nick, how are you feeling about the Irish going going out to California? Uh, to yeah, just to echo your thoughts real quick, it's it's wild that we're already you know to the to the season finale as far as the regular season. It's it's pretty crazy. It's it's been a quick football season, uh, a lot of ups and downs. Um, as far as Stanford goes, you know, new coach, um, they've had their struggles this year, but they've also flashed at times. I mean that they they've had. I haven't got. I haven't watched a ton of Stanford, but um, they have flashed some signs of, you know, uh, being a tough football team. But honestly, this is a game that, you know, if Notre Dame can't take care of business uh, in this one, uh, we got a lot more issues than we realize. So, you know, it's one of those things. um, It's always tough. You know, we're, we're going all the way out to California uh, last regular season game, uh, kind of a rivalry game. I don't, I don't really consider it much of a rivalry game, but you know, Stanford's going to be, you know, playing their butts off. Notre Dame's coming to town. Um, but again, the, the, this is a team that Notre Dame should, should be able to handle pretty easily. What do you think, Joe? I completely agree. Notre Dame should be able to take care of business. However, you know, this is still college football. You know, you still have to bring bring your um, bring your lunch pail. You got to play physical to you know make sure that you take care of business. And you know, Notre Dame has to do that. And they haven't played yeah, well on the road uh, this year. So, so and it's always tough playing a team on senior night. You know, this will be you know a lot of uh, Stanford players. Maybe you know possibly last football game ever. Uh, there will probably be a lot of emotions, uh, you know, in that Stanford locker room. Um, th- just like there was a lot of emotions uh, for for Notre Dame last Saturday. Um, you know, you know, Stanford's going to want to bring it. They're going to want to, you know, uh, you know, play spoiler against Notre Dame um, on their on their home field. And like I said, Notre Dame just hasn't played well uh, on the road. So I'll be interested to see what kind of game that Notre Dame plays. However. You know, from the flashes that I saw against Wake Forest, uh, I do think they they end the season on a high note. And if you look at Stanford's numbers, like 
you know, their offensive line has really struggled all year. I, I'm excited to see what our defensive uh, line can do. Uh, regarding Stanford's offensive line, they're ranked, you know, 100-plus in all college football. Um, so pretty low down there in, in the rankings uh, for their offensive line productivity. So I hope this is a big day for Notre Dame's defensive line. And I expect Notre Dame's defense to take care of business and the offense to do their thing to be uh, enough for Notre Dame to win this in convincing yeah, that's, fashion. that's a good point. I, it's well said because you're right. I mean, the Irish have played not good at all. Uh, went road so Poor. very poorly um so you know we'll see we'll see what road team shows up for the irish um that's something that marcus freeman's really gonna have to dive into in the off season because you can't you can't play that bad on the road so uh we'll see but i agree with you um i, I think eventually notre dame will settle in and, and take care of business so um should we jump into score predictions we can jump into score predictions. Nick, I'll let you uh, uh, state okay. your prediction first. Uh, yeah, so going off kind of what we were just talking about here, you know, I think it'll start off a little slow. I, I think it'll be competitive uh, in the first half, and, you know, it might be one of those things where Irish fans are frustrated. Um, but I think eventually Notre Dame settles in, and I, I just think we have too much talent, and we, and we overpower them, uh, especially, like you said, on both sets of lines. So uh, I have the Irish here coming out of uh, California after Saturday with a 34 to 14 win over Stanford. What do you got, Joe? Yeah. So very similar. I, I got a big time win with 38 points uh, for the Irish seven with, with Stanford. Uh, I think again, Notre Dame's defense is just going to be hard for Stanford to score. Um, and, you know, I think the Notre Dame offense is starting to get a little bit of rhythm. At least I hope. I hope it's not fool's gold against Wake Forest um, where, where they could put up, you know, 30 points this game um, and, and close to 40. I, I can't say 40 yet, hey, I uh, get Nick, because you yeah. just never know. But I think we're going we're gonna to see a pissed off uh, Audrey Estime, and I hope they, they feed that, that dude to the rock where uh, he makes those Doak Walker – I don't even know. I guess choosers, whoever or, they are, uh, they're, whatever the Joe Walker committee Listen. members are, make them you know really regret their decision not putting that dude as as a semifinalist. I, I'm still scratching my uh, scratching my head on that. So I hope Audrey Estime and Jared Parker, uh, you know, take it to Stanford by giving the ball to number seven a lot. One fifty plus guaranteed. If there's a bet, make it. <laughs> Yes, yes. I, I want to see Audric's uh, prop bet and whatever it is. I don't even need to see <laughs> it. I'm, I'm over, smashing baby. the over. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So it, it will be it will be fun. But again, this is this will be a task for you know Marcus Freeman. I think to take that step in you know a lot of the concerns or you know some of the concerns that Notre Dame fans have had, and you know one of them mainly being you know just not playing well on the road. So I'm hoping that you know they're able to you know, I guess not really necessarily take it off the list, but maybe, you know, simmer down on, on those takes and, and Notre Dame takes care of business uh, for the last regular season yep. game. Well said. Well said. All right. Now, Nick, we do have a problem here. 
you know, and I, I'm still trying to deal with this. I have no idea how I'm going to find or, you know, find the Pac-12 network. Have you figured out how you're going to I'm actually glad thing? you brought that up. Uh, so <laughs> tomorrow, I think uh, Fubo TV, uh, they do have a seven-day free trial, um, and they carry the Pac-12 network, I believe. So I'm going to sign up for their free trial, watch the game, <laughs> and then – cancel it so cancel it. What, what about you are you uh you doing going the same route you going to watch it at a bar what what are you doing i have no idea i i haven't had really time to to dive yeah, into you're a busy it man. but now that i'm off now that i'm off work the next two days uh it's going to be top of my priority list trying to figure it out um i know obviously spectrum doesn't have it uh because i'll be you know heading to my parents uh, you know, for the Thanksgiving and I've already tested their, their, I guess, sports channels. They don't have pac 12. My YouTube TV here in my apartment doesn't have the pac 12. So either I'm going to have to do some scouting missions around, uh, Mainville, Ohio on, on sports bars that, that may have the pac 12 network, or we may have to do this FUBO route. So I appreciate you letting me know that, but, um, I guess the cool thing about this, this will be the last Pac-12, I guess, football game, live television on their network. game uh, that the Pac-12 on their network. Of course, you know, Notre Dame has to has to finish it off. Of course, they had for. to get one more money grab. Like, I can only imagine, you know, like <laughs> Pac-12 Network's like, yep, we're putting it on there. Just like NBC does with Peacock. <laughs> Let's get people to sign up real quick. Yeah, we need to we need to squeeze out every yeah. dollar we can as, as, as we're still standing Seriously, as a conference. Pac-2. Um, yeah, <laughs> man. And has, has anything really come out of, you know, what they're going to do with uh, Oregon State and who's the other one? Um, it's not Cal. It's uh, is, it, um, is it Cal? Is it Cal? Is it Cal? Berkeley? Man. No, I don't, I don't. I know Oregon State. I don't think one it's of Cal. Them. It's it Washington, Washington State? State, I think. Yeah. yeah okay. I don't know. Whatever it is. I mean, obviously, they're not Notre Dame. Right. Opponents, but. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what, what if they go independent yeah. or, um, you know, what happens with yeah, them. Seriously. So, all right. Well, I'll wrap up. Um, I know we're, we're excited for Saturday, wrapping up the 2023 regular season. Enjoy it, Irish fans. We're hoping, uh, yeah, enjoy it. Uh, and uh, we'll be we'll be dissecting, you know, afterwards on Twitter spaces. So feel free to, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter and, you know, after the game, if you have any post-game remarks, you know, jump on our, our spaces where we have our post-game Yeah, we always reactions. have a lot of fun on those. Well, either fun or it's it's a therapy session. <laughs> either way. Yeah, or vet that, sessions. That. You know, we, we, we try to get all, all of our emotions out of, off our chest, uh, you know, if it's, if it's a right. tough one. But I don't expect that to be the case for the Irish right. on Saturday. All right, so – this is my favorite part of the podcast. We're going to jump into questions. You guys have given us a lot of good topics to discuss in previous podcasts, and it looks like it's, it's going to be the same. So I'll go ahead and jump in on the first question that we have from Clutch Sports. Uh, Clutch, again, appreciate the support. You've been giving us awesome questions all year round, um, all, all year long, and uh, you've been a fun follow for me on Twitter as well. So I uh, appreciate you sending in your question. Nick, he asks, should NB continue to play Stanford on a regularly uh, on a regular basis, or should they just go into the rotation of ACC teams? Um, NB plays. Does Sam Hartman replicate his? Perf- Actually, I'll hold off on this. Let's just stop at, at, at one question. Sure. Um, 
Nick, should should Notre Dame now that Stanford is into the ACC? I think this is what he's asking. Um, should we rotate that game with Stanford as part of the ACC schedule, um, or should we have Stanford as as a team we play uh, on a yearly yeah, basis? That's a good question, I, and um, it's one I hadn't really thought about honestly. Um, but it it it's gonna one way or the other, it's gonna have to be uh, solved. And I I personally think they should just go into the rotation with other ACC teams. I, to me, the only team that should, we should guarantee try to play every year is USC. And I know Navy too, um, I, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but no, I, I think Stanford should go into that, that same rotation. Um, and, and if that means we can't finish on the West coast, that's okay. In, in my opinion, I, I don't think, I know the main reason we try to finish the season out there is recruiting. Uh, and also we have a, a large following uh, out on the West coast, but to me, um, I I'd love to be able to finish it at home sometimes, you know, uh, I, I know it's cold, but Hey, you know, let's use it to our advantage. So uh, I personally, I hope it just goes into the rotation. What about you, Joe? Nick, you, you were saying a lot of the points that, that I was going to argue against you. I, I think Stanford should be a team just based on, you know, its academic prowess, um, you know, being a good uh, recruitment tool because, you know, obviously Notre Dame is a national brand and, and being able to go out to California, not just for recruiting wise, but, you know, again, having having the team fly out to California every year because obviously it mismatches with uh, our game with USC. I think that just, you know, develops – uh, the program and the national recognition, the national brand for for Notre Dame, and solidifies that. Uh, so I I would be actually in favor for uh, Notre Dame to keep it at a regular basis, and I think we would have different discussions. The thing that you know bodes against me um, or my take on this is just Stanford hasn't been the Stanford uh, that I've been used to growing up. You know that hard nosed football team a good uh, with Harbaugh, the early years of Shaw. Uh, these were good football games. I mean. Think about even the goal line stand at Notre Dame man. Stadium. Yeah, 2012. Like, there's been some great games with Stanford. And I th- and I think they've been kind of getting some, uh, you know, or I guess, you know, not flack, but they just – they haven't been recognized as a top-tier college football program that they were um, in the early 2010s um, and, and early 2000s when, when they had Andrew Luck and – um, obviously the, you know, the Christian McCaffrey's and, uh, they had a, you know, the Bryce loves, I mean, you can name a lot of big time That's football true. players that, yeah. that came out of Stanford. So they're in a bad time for their football program. And I do expect them to rise. They, they have a lot of, you know, things to, you know, bring to the table for recruitment. Um, you know, not just with, you know, they're kind of like the Notre Dame of the West coast. They have that, um, you know, academic prowess where, who doesn't want a degree from Stanford? It's in a beautiful location, yeah. um, you know, just outside of San Francisco. So um, long story short, I- I'm kind of in favor to keep keep the uh, the regular uh, rivalry with, with Stanford. Maybe this is a conversation we'll jump into and, and debate uh, in the offseason or something. That's good that we both. Yeah, I- I'd be yeah. yeah, so great yeah. question. I haven't thought about this either. So good question, Clutch. And. Uh, he follows it up with uh, a couple more. 
His next question is, does Sam Hartman replicate his performance from last weekend to this one? Nick, what do you think? I think he does. I, I, I think the quarterback position and the offensive coordinator position, I, I think so much um, that goes uh, – not so much. A lot that goes into it is confidence. Um, I think Sam's got that back. I, I think Jared Parker's got that back. And, you know, they're not facing a defense that's so daunting that, you know, we're going to be overmatched. So, yeah, I, I expect a big day from Sam Hartman. Um, probably not as big of a day as it's Wake Forest, just because I think we'll be running the football even more in this game. Um, but, yeah, I expect Sam Hartman to play well. What about you, Joe? Yeah, I I expect Sam Hartman to uh, kind of have a, a very similar performance than he did versus Wake Forest. Uh, I think, you know, the development of the play-action game, go figure, Nick, we're, we're actually putting play-action into our offensive scheme. Yeah, and it worked. Yeah. What do you know? It, it, um, you know, that's that's been, you know, good to see. It's a little, I guess, better late than never. Um, so I hope, you know, Notre Dame plays off that they seem to gel a little bit more with the young wide receivers and putting them in position to, to find success. And it looks like they're kind of solidifying their roles. You're seeing more Jordan Faison, you know, stretching, um, you know, stretching the field, um, along with Tobias, you know, he showed a flash obviously with his touchdown grab. Uh, so hopefully these guys were able to develop some confidence that they can, you know, build into this week. And I do expect to see that. And, that's just going to play into Sam Hartman's performance. Yep, totally agree. Yep. And then clutch is last question. Uh, Y'all hate watching cheat again as much as me, or do you actually want them to beat OSU? And Nick, I have thought about this all week. I am so excited about this game for a game that's outside of Notre Dame, just with all the college football storylines and the drama and, you know, I guess that really maybe the hatred between, you know, both of these programs and the hatred I have for uh, both of these teams. I, I am kind of intrigued to watch this matchup to see what happens. Nick, where, where are you leaning for this game? Because I'm torn. I, I don't know who the hell to root for, but I want to watch. Man, uh, <laughs> I, I'm very similar. Like, I, I'm with you. I These are not two of my favorite teams. Um <sighs> I don't know, man. I honestly, I was kind of hoping that um, Michigan would would have got beat against Penn State or somebody, so that way I could. I don't know. <laughs> the other. Maryland, Maryland. I know. Did a little bit I know. Of a scare last um, week. I I think OSU is going to win this game. I I do. Um, but man, I don't know who to root for. I feel like I usually root for Michigan because. The Ohio State fans are so brutal. You know, we're both from Ohio. Um, but I think this one is gonna have to be the exception. I, I think I think I might be pulling for OSU. I don't know. We'll see when once Oh man, I'm leading to I'm leading Michigan. And the only reason is because I know Notre Dame's out of the college football playoff. I think I'm just rooting for chaos. I'm just rooting for you know, obviously my my thoughts on Michigan is they don't deserve to be in the college football playoff based on all the findings. And, you know, I think it's a lame three-game suspension against Harbaugh, basically admitting that, you know, they did in fact cheat and, you know, we'll, we'll take this punishment, which I think is basically a slap on the wrist. Um, but I guess I'm just kind of rooting for college football to burn. 
and yeah. you know hopefully hopefully you know whoever wins on saturday ends up losing the big 10 uh title game and there's no uh there's no big 10 teams in in the college football playoff yeah, I, <laughs> that's what i guess I, i'm, I'm for. with you i it's one of those things i i do not I, i'm so against what has come out with michigan that it's it's making me want that want to see them lose so much more but I, you're right though like chaos is always entertaining so i don't know it, it, it'll be interesting to see at noon on saturday when i turn it on i'll have a feeling like internally like who i'm really pulling for and i really don't know at this moment so i don't know maybe yeah. they call it a time it'll be <laughs> It'll be fun to watch. I, I mean, I, I got a feeling the ratings for that oh, game gonna are going to be. They're going to have some some dumb numbies for that game. So um, it'll be fun. I, I hope just college football fans enjoy it, uh, even though both of these programs suck in my opinion. But uh, it'll it'll be it'll be fun to watch. So, um, Clutch, thanks for those good those uh, three great appreciate questions. It, uh, appreciate you always uh, contributing to our mailbag. Um, the next question from another, uh, uh, loyal first and gold listener, uh, an Irish fan is Luke Elshoff. Uh, you could follow him at McChuckles419. Luke, appreciate, uh, the couple questions you put Always in appreciate uh, for it, this week. Yeah. So Luke asks, how do you feel about Hartman playing the first half and letting Angeli playing the second half? Hypothetically, of course, Luke. This would be my absolute plan A. If I know we're probably starting with Hartman, and we should, you know, that's something we pretty much agree to Hartman as part of our marriage. However, if we can build enough of a first half lead uh, to put Angeli in for the entire second half, I would be absolutely ecstatic because I just want to see more of this dude. Is I'm still questioning from you know the stats that we uh, you know talked about earlier in the podcast. Are these fools gold or? Or is Angeli showing that he's the real deal? So I, I would love for that scenario to play out on Saturday. What about you, Nick? I agree. I, you know, if if we can build up a good enough lead in the first half with Hartman, um, absolutely give him a full half of football. But um, it, the lead's got to be, it's got to be there. And, you know, with our history of starting off slow, I don't have confidence that it's going to happen, but I hope it does. Me either. Me either. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if it was a scenario where, you know, we're up three, four touchdowns at halftime and we could give Angeli an entire half with the starters in, man, that'd be, that'd be phenomenal. But um, I don't know if it'll happen, though. But great question. Yep. Great question, Luke. Um We'll, we'll see how it plays out, but if we get some Angeli snaps, I'm probably going to be happy about it. And something I've been kind of preaching in, uh, you know, our family group chat, Nick, uh, you know, I, I would love to even see Kenny Minchie. Yeah. I, I just kind of want to see what we have in him too. So I guess maybe my ideal plan A would be a big first half lead in the first half and see Sam Hartman have Angeli go to the third quarter and give Minchie the fourth quarter. Oh, that, that, um, I know I'm asking for a lot. That'd be a, a dream, man. There. Yeah, That would be a dream, but um, I, I'm with you, Nick. I, I don't anticipate that happening. I, Stanford's not going to let us come in there and basically treat it like a scrimmage. Um, it, it's going to be a tough game. Stanford's going to play us tough. It's their senior night. We haven't played well on the road. Uh, I'm with you. I, yeah. I can see us kind of, you know, 
spinning spinning our tires a little bit to start the yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, and just follow up, like Stanford's wearing special uniforms for this game. So, the, the, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing crazy, just kind of a different helmet. But, but still, it's like they're going to be – this is their – Super Bowl. I, I mean, I know we've said that about a lot of teams, but so they're, yeah. they're going to throw the kitchen sink at us. So I, I think it'll take a little time, but yeah, I'd love to see, love to see Angeli get us all month. Yep. And that's what you sign up for being a Notre football player. You're, you're going to be everyone's kind of Super Bowl or, you know, game that they have circled on the schedule. Yeah. And there's no doubt, you know, Stanford can, uh, you know, I don't want to say save their season because they're not bowl eligible, but they you know, play spoiler. The way that they could kind of, yeah, they could play spoiler and, and kind of use this game as momentum for their next season as as they continue their rebuild. So uh, that always makes me a little nervous when when you play a team that has nothing to lose, uh, you, you could be in for no a doubt. battle. All right, and speaking of battles, Luke follows up uh, with another question: Is Notre Dame currently in any recruiting battles with Stanford? Nick, do you know of any? Um. Not off the top of my head. I, I saw the question, and you know, there for a while in, in the the middle 2010s, I, I felt like we were in a lot of recruiting battles with Stanford. But I just feel like Stanford, with where their struggles are, they're not recruiting at the same level that we are right now. So you don't really see uh, as many battles. So none that are coming to the top of my head. I, I don't know any any for you, Joe. No, I I think again Stanford's on their rebuild. They they haven't been at you know the top tier of college football um, or someone that you know or a program that Notre Dame's had to to worry about. Uh, so I I don't know of any recruiting battles you know with Stanford, especially for our top guys that that we're kind of uh, you know in on. So uh, nothing to worry about there, Luke. Um, and I, I like your, your last question here. Should Notre Dame limit SMA's carries? Well, with the Doak Walker information coming out, I say, hell no. What about you, Nick? <laughs> I agree. I, you know, it's one of those things. I think you, you give SMA carries his normal carries. And then I think he's been known to be a guy that will go to the coaches and, and say, Hey, you know, give me some more. I, I'm trying to get to this and I have a feeling it, it'll be like that in this game. Um, so I say, yeah, you know, you use him uh, as much as he's ready to go. And I think in this game, he's going to have something to prove after the, the Doak Walker award thing. Um, so I can see that and I'm fine with it. You know, he's, we're not competing for the playoffs. It's not like we have to save him or anything. Um, I, I know he's going to go pro, um, and, and you don't want him to get hurt or anything. So of course you, you know, you limit it in that aspect, but if he's good to go and he, he wants the rock, I, I say you feed the, feed the beast. Completely agree. Completely agree. Again, hammer that over, yeah. uh, whichever, you know, prop bet comes out for Audric Estime for rushing yards. I, I want to bet that Stanford seems an angry uh, an angry Audric SMA, which, which should be scary for any defense. So um, going into the next question, and Luke, again, appreciate, you know, all the questions that, that you've, you've sent in. Appreciate it, Luke. Uh, much love. Um, now we have a new question uh, from Daniel. Uh, his Twitter uh, handle is Stub B Davis. 
82. Uh, he asked, if we struggle offensively, will Parker be terminated? Nick, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I, I don't think they'll, they'll fire him on the tarmac. Um, you know, if the offense struggles, I, I think, I think he's already on the hot seat. I don't think that's Freeman's style. It's not Notre Dame style to, you know, to fire him directly after the game. But, you know, if they, if they really struggle offensively in this game, it'll make it, um, a lot easier, I guess, for the Irish to eventually fire him. But no, I don't think it'll be directly after the game. No, I, I agree with you, Nick. And I know we've been seeing a lot of praise here for, um, you know, the offense and, you know, obviously the, the positive game uh, that they had versus Wake Forest. However, I, I haven't moved on my, my thoughts on Jared Parker going into the 24 season. Um you know, one thing that we didn't talk about in the game that, you know, obviously there's a lot of positives to take from, you know, obviously a big time blowout victory, but I still was pretty disappointed with our, our clock management at the end of the half for Wake Forest. And again, when you have those kind of lapses, um, whether it was communication from Jared Parker and, you know, to, you know, the guys on the field communicating to Sam Hartman, uh, you know, during that, I mean, shoot, what was, I mean, it was like a one minute drill. Uh, and we had to use a timeout at a bad time. Uh, you know, the, you can't have those lapses uh, when you're already kind of, you know, on the hot seat as an offensive coordinator. And it kind of struck me that, you know, again, this Jared Parker may not be ready for, for, you know, the position that he's in or, you know, be ready for, you know, the step for Notre or basically he's not ready to be in basically the seat that he's in. And for Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman, hopefully as he evaluates um, his coaching staff, that he sees the office of coordinator position that needs to improve, um, you know, going into 24. And I don't like calling for anyone's, you know, uh, job, but, you know, that's kind of where I stand. Nick, what, what were your thoughts on, on kind of how the end of the first half played in Wake Forest? And has anything changed on, on how, how you view uh, Jared Parker? Yeah, I, and I know we have a question about this, so I'm not going to completely like dive into everything as far as the end of the half, even though it is concerning. Um, but as far as my feelings for for Parker and, and the situation, I, I think I think Freeman is going to have a tough decision to make at the end of the year, um, and you know we'll see which route he goes. Uh, you know we've seen Parker. He's hit the the lowest of lows, but also some some very high highs, you know, early in the season. Then, you know, Wake Forest. Um, so he's shown that that he's adapting and, and improving. But I, I think at the end of the day, you know, if you're Marcus Freeman, the, there's very little room for error it, when you're at Notre Dame. So I, I think he's going to have a tough decision to make in the off season. And I eventually think that he will make it. Yep. Well said, well said. And, you know, kind of, you know, we do have a question kind of on the things that, that I mentioned. So I'm going to go ahead and, and skip to this. Uh, this is uh, a direct message received from one of our, our, our followers for the first and bull gold podcast. Ollie, appreciate you uh, sending in this question. Appreciate it, Ollie. And Daniel, again, appreciate your question about Parker, but, 
Um, Ollie asks, you know, a lot of people on Twitter are saying that this is a good game for Parker as OC. However, how inexcusable is his lack of organization that we saw after having to call a timeout following a spike? Every OC has a call sheet that lays out red zone calls depending on yardage inside of the field. Why wasn't a play call signaled in and ran after killing the clock? To me, that shows an organizational issue from the OC, not a Freeman issue. Um, so, Nick, how, how did you take the end of the first half? Because, I, you know, like I mentioned, it, it really irked me and almost solidified that, you know, again, you know, as much as, you know, we saw improvements during the Wake Forest game, having that blip, um, you know, during the game is, is things that, that should be seen as inexcusable. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to this is kind of what Notre Dame signed up for, unfortunately. You know, I, you, you have a defensive-minded head coach in Marcus Freeman, and he wants to bring in an extremely experienced offensive coordinator, whether that was Ludwig or whoever, and that falls through, and Freeman ends up hiring a, a guy with very, very little experience. And when that happens – Things like this are going to happen, and it's exactly why uh, at a place like Notre Dame, you can't have this, you can't have this much inexperience. So, it, it was it was a huge issue, and it, you know it, it does fall on the OC. But I know you mentioned Ollie that it's not a Freeman issue, but yes, it is. It's also a Freeman issue. Freeman has to be involved with it just as much as Parker is. But it, it mostly falls on Parker, and it is. It's it's one of those things, you know, where, like you mentioned on the call sheet, they have these scenarios laid out. They have, you know, which hash you're on, you know, what down and distance, this and that, time left on the clock, and they have analytics. Uh, so to have to burn a timeout like that, it, it was not ideal. And you know, a lot has to, a lot has to be done in the off season, especially if they decide to stick with Parker, which I don't think they will. Um, but overall, it, it was a really bad look. I agree. And really, the only huge complaint from myself as far as the offense goes for this past Saturday. What about you, Joe? Yeah, Nick, I, I think you hit that spot on and, and made a lot of, you know, important points that, um, you know, I completely agree with. And the thing that, you know, I like that you said is, you know, we, it's easy for us to keep pointing at the OC, but we also have to point this on Freeman. You know, end of clock management also falls on the head coach quite a bit. And the unfortunate thing, and everyone knows, I, I'm i the biggest, you know, Freeman fan there is. I am on the Freeman Mountain waving the flag. Uh, I haven't given up ship on, on him um, one bit. However, one trend that I have seen is, you know, end of – or basically just clock management in general, especially at the end of halves. Yeah. I think this year, if, you know, you had to grade our clock management at the end of halves and, and not just for the Wake Forest game, but previous games, you know, it would kind of be around a D to C, um, I would say a D to C range, you know, if I had to grade it on an A to F uh, level. Um, you know, and especially it's kind of surprising for, if you remember back to, you know, the Navy in Middle Tennessee you know, Sam Hartman was leading these two-minute drives and, and looked like, you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes, where yeah. we were just dinking, dunking, hitting big-time plays, having explosive plays, 
where I'm like, oh man, if we're going to have this kind of two minute offense, you know, we're, we're going to be, you know, basically up there with, you know, in contention with, you know, the college football teams and college football playoff teams. Um, however, when we, when we started playing tougher competition, um, we have truly digressed in that area, which has been a little disappointing. And again, we can always point to offensive line, wide receiver experience, et cetera. However, with the things that we do control, such as when we use timeouts and, you know, handling the clock, uh, it, it's been a disappointing year. Um, and I think that falls not just on Jared Parker, but also Marcus Freeman that hopefully he's learning from and needs to continue to learn from and hopefully look back at, at those scenarios to see how he can improve. Yeah, very well said. And a great question. You know, we didn't really touch on it um, until here late in this segment. So uh, really appreciate it, Ollie. Great question. Yep. And and he follows up with uh, two other questions that uh, I really enjoy uh, that I think is going to, you know, create some good banter. So uh, these are, you know, back-to-back QB questions, but uh, I'll start with the QB we have now. So Ollie asks, looking back at this season, was it worth to have Sam Hartman at QB to just finish the season nine and three and go to an irrelevant football or irrelevant bowl game when we could have developed Angeli or Minchi? Nick, do you think, you know, going to get Sam Hartman was a waste? No, no, I don't. I, you know, I think this is one of those things where when Sam, Hind- well, yeah, right. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, when Sam Hartman was brought in, we had Tommy Reese uh, as the offensive coordinator. You know, uh, we were bringing in tra- uh, why is his name escaping me? Uh, Caleb Smith from Caleb Virginia Smith. Tech, and you know, we had healthy, we had a healthier wide receiver room and, and guys that were supposed to blossom, but a lot changes. You know, you get a, a an inexperienced guy and Jared Parker, and then. You know, Jaden Thomas gets banged up. Deion Colsey gets banged up. Caleb Smith doesn't pan out. So, I you know, if you factor in some of these other pieces, the tools were there. Bringing in Sam Hartman was 100% the correct move, 10 times out of 10, in my opinion. Because, you know, if all those pieces are there, Sam Hartman is a guy that can take you to – preach the playoffs there's no doubt i know he hasn't played well down the stretch but you know there are other factors that go into that but you know if you have some of these other tools beforehand i I mean this is looking like a genius move by marcus freeman to bring him in because we're probably talking about the playoffs so no i don't think it's a waste um and in fact i i feel you know honestly i i feel like the the biggest benefit from bringing Sam Hartman in this year um you know even though we're going nine and three in a, in a bowl game is guys like Steve Angeli and Kenny Minchie got to learn under him I mean he's the the fourth leading passer in NCAA football history for a reason he knows how to create point. he knows how to prepare and these guys are going to be better for it in the long run just my thoughts what do you think Joe I 100% agree with you, Nick. You were spot on on that, and I have a very similar take. And I understand the question, you know, kind of the uh, Ollie, the, the, basically the question that you're having here is, you know, looking back, do you wish that we could have, you know, used this time to develop uh, Angelia or Mitchie? But 
you know, we're talking about Notre Dame football here. We we're, we are every year. Our expectation is, is get to a national championship and get to the college football playoff. Um, you know, if we, we went back, you know, back in time, you and I, and, uh, you know, went back to our, our brains, you know, six months ago, uh, you know, we're pretty excited about, you know, where Sam Hartman can, can take this football team. And there was no doubt in my mind that the ceiling for this team increased. Um, you know, we, we got a higher ceiling bringing in Sam Hartman uh, to lead this this football team and this football program. And, um, you know, if we would if we would have just been OK with Angelia or Minchie, um, you know, it, it would have basically the expectations would not have been the same. And if you're a Notre Dame football you are doing everything you can to make sure you're keeping those expectations um, at a national championship level. Great um, point. And that's, that's Great. just kind of where I want to leave it. Great point, Joe. And, and I, I want to follow up real quick on, on, you know, cause you brought up some good points. I mean, can you imagine, you know, we brought Sam Hartman in when Reese was here and then, you know, Reese leaves. And then, so can you imagine if we had Jared Parker, an experienced guy, and then we're also trying to break in an inexperienced first-time starter in a in a Steve Angeli or a Kenny Menchie. I mean, I yeah. I truly believe this. I I think I do not think that we would be bowl eligible right now if we were breaking a brand new quarterback throughout Agreed. this season. And I mean, can you imagine what that would have done for to Freeman <laughs> in this program? I mean, you think about it. The Duke game, we do not win without Sam Hartman. And there, there are other examples here. So yep. that, I, I totally understand the question. It's a great question. But I, I just think overall, you know, the expectations for Hartman in this program were through the roof this year, and, and we fell short. But Yeah, I, and, and if, if you look back, Nick, if, you know, if a couple plays just bounce our way, you know, the entire trajectory of the season changes. And I know it's, yeah. you know, playing that woulda, coulda, shoulda. People call this loser talk. But, um, you know, if we have 11 guys on the field for that goal line stand against Ohio State, you know, we, we don't have these questions about Sam Hartman. Yeah. Um, but that's – but, you know, Marcus Freeman's job is to make sure that we are trying to get the highest or pretty much provide the football team with the highest ceiling possible – um, to get to a national football championship in a playoff and, you know, throwing away a season just to develop a quarterback isn't, shouldn't be, you know, basically okay with, I guess, or, it, it, you know, be satisfactory enough uh, for Notre Dame football fans for the football program. You go get a Sam Hartman and see yeah. and roll the dice and see what happens. It, it's not realistic at Notre Dame's level. Like, yeah. If we're in the MAC or a mid-level conference team, sure you can you can roll with it for a year. But at a place like Notre Dame, where you know this is Freeman's second year and people were already calling for his head to be fired, I mean, come on, <laughs> you know. And now yeah. we have the transfer rules and we have NIL that we can use to our advantage because we are a very wealthy program. Absolutely, you go take a guy like Harvard. Yeah. And Nick, you, you kind of had me laughing in in my head here of just could you imagine what Notre Dame fans would have would have would have treated this season uh if if we put you know Angeli out there or Minchie and you know had the I say the learning curves or trying to get through the learning curves that they would need. Um, 
you know, people would be, you know, there's no way we would be even nine and three. I agree with you. We may not even be bowl eligible in the the firestorms that would be on our Twitters and oh, on the message man. boards about Freeman and Parker would be out of control. And and that's it, never good for a football program. Never good for a football program um, to just, you know, hang your hat on saying, oh, this is a rebuilding year. Give us time. Right. This is Notre Dame football. No, you, your time is every year and it yeah. restarts every year. So. Um, and I, also, one more point. Also, yeah. w- with how difficult our schedule was this year, I mean, you cannot, you cannot yeah, have point. an inexperienced guy. So, but again, great question. I totally understand it. I totally understand the question. Yep. And and this kind of leads into the next question. So, you know, this is going to be, you know, obviously the head of, uh, or I guess, you know, the main headline going into 2024 season on on what's going to happen with the QB room uh, now that Sam Hartman departs after this year. And, and all I ask, if you had to guess, what does the next five years look like at QB? 2024 transfer question mark, 2025 car, 2026 car or deuce. Uh, Nick, what, what do you kind of project out to be uh, the QB room for the Irish the next few years? It's a tough question, man. Cause <sighs> everything changes so quickly in college football. I mean, you know, just like the Sam Hartman thing last year. So, but it's a, it's a great question. I I think next year the starter will be a transfer. I I think they're going to go out. Well, again, I guess I I, I should preface that with, it it depends on who they bring in. Um, They have their eyes on some guys. They've already reached out to to guys like Riley Leonard uh, from Duke. Um, so depending on who eventually, um, they, they get to pull in, uh, will determine a lot of this, but I, I think 2024 will be a transfer 2025. I think, uh, man, it's anybody's guess, you know, it, it could be car. It could be, I, I'm a big fan of Minchie, but I'm also like you, Joe, and jelly's impressed the hell out of me. So 2025 and, and 2026, man, it's it's so hard to predict. I I, I can't even I, I can't even go there. Like I, I I'm struggling enough for next year, so uh, it, it'd be <laughs> interesting. That's for sure. Nick, I, I you know I I love where you're going with this, and I think we can play off each other on kind of my thoughts. 2024, completely agree with you. I I think Notre Dame, if they're able to land a big time transfer quarterback like a Riley Leonard, you know, let's be honest. Now they're going to say it's an open QB competition, just like they did for Sam Hartman and a jelly and Buckner. But in the back of our head, we all knew that this was Sam Hartman's job, right? right? I think it's going to be a similar situation if they bring in a Riley Leonard or, you know, another big time quarterback that, you know, has experience underneath his belt. Um, you know, I don't, I'm again, I don't think Marcus Freeman is going to say, Hey, you automatically have the job, but, you know, there's, there's going to be some, Correct. they're going to, you know, obviously you, you get where I'm going with that. Absolutely. You're, you're hundred percent right. Now, 2025, who knows where our QB room with the transfer portal. Now, you know, does Kenny Minchie and Angeli get upset about, you know, a transfer coming to we, we haven't had a mic, you know, in front of their face on, on how they feel about, about the room. Um, you know, I, I would have never expected Tyler Buckner to transfer and, you know, he's, he's suiting up for, um, 
you know, obviously Alabama now. Would have never have guessed that if this was a year yeah. ago. Um, you know, 20 – so for 2025, I do think the QB room will be solidified enough where you don't need to go to the transfer portal. Let's say yeah. everyone does stay. So I do think between whether it's Angeli, Carr, or Minchie, one of those guys, someone's going to to lead that pack to be the 25 QB. And then 26, I mean, depending on, you know, obviously who wins the job in 25. But, man, when you have, you know, basically the pick of the litter of, you know, a, a big time, I don't want to call him a project, but, you know, what what we know in Deuce Knight of, you know, the, the, the massive ceiling that he has, um, you know, CJ Carr with, you know, just kind of the, the gamesmanship, the, you know, all the expectations that we have for CJ. And then obviously Angelia Minchie with, you know, years of experience, whether it's learning from Sam Hartman um, and having a couple of years under their belt, uh, I'd be excited to see them in 26. But for 25 and 26, I think we'd be fair to say that, you know, Notre Dame wouldn't be leaning on, on the portal as much as they may have or we have been the last few years no i think i think that's really well said and you know i think i i was thinking about it while you while you were going through that and you brought up a lot of good points and i really think that cj Carr's the first guy that well i guess no i he was there when tommy was recruiting him but you know i if I had to bet, I totally agree. With, I think we're on the same page as far as 2024. And as far as 25, 26 goes, I think Deuce is going to need at least two years just to d- develop his game in any college football program. Um, so I, I have a feeling 2024 will be a, tr- a transfer. And I think 2025 is going to be CJ Carr. I, if I had... Wow. If I had to throw money on it, because I have a feeling that, and I hate this because he has a press, but I think Angeli's going to transfer um, if we bring in a tra- if we bring in a transfer. I, I mean, I don't know that. This is all just like speculation. I hope he doesn't, but um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, man. It, it, predicting, like you said, predicting that far down the road is so tough. No, so and can change. And Nick, I I've been kind of in the same boat as you. Because one thing about Angeli, you know, if he doesn't get the 24 job, you know, he's going to have, I believe he's going to have his college diploma from Notre Dame, you know, and yep. he's had enough uh, film where he could kind of, you know, basically off the, uh, I guess, the mop-up time that he's been able to get. He's absolutely, um, you know, splashed during those opportunities where I'm sure there's going to be a lot of college football programs willing to take a shot on him. And oh, I say, go for it. Go for it, man. And, yeah. um, you know, if, if Notre Dame's kind of solidified, as Marcus Freeman has come out and said in the press conferences that, you know, they will be looking for a transfer portal guy, you know, I, I do think the, you know, Notre Dame's in, in in a spot where they can kind of make those splash QB or hit on those splash QBs that, you know, they're, they're not going to bring in to compete. And now they're going to say that publicly, that they're always coming right. in here to compete. They're not going to give anyone a job. But, again, I would be absolutely shocked if they brought in a transfer and they ended up losing the job. Um, yeah. And then, again, 25, I, I'm different with you. I, I think C.J. Carr won't, won't be there um, won't be there yet. I, I really was ecstatic about Kenny Minchie when we were able to kind of – 
get that at the end of, of his recruiting process um, and stealing that one from Pittsburgh. And when I watched his film, he just showed some flashes on things that, um, you know, some of our QB room or some, I would just say we haven't seen in our QB room in a long time. Um, you know, just making, you know, off script throws, sidearm, just, you know, he seems like he, he saw, um, you know, he's he got a little step. Bit, he, he's got a little bit of that gamer in him, you know? Yeah. Gamesmanship. I, I, and he has a little yeah. bit of finesse and I think he has a rocket arm. Um, I, I, I want to go against you there. And I think 25 is going to be the year uh, of Minchie and then 26, hopefully he kind of slid him solidified himself as, you know, a back-to-back uh, year starter. I honestly, I, it wouldn't surprise me if it, if it is Minchie in 2025, I, I, I think, I guess I should, I guess my point was more, I don't think it's going to be in jelly in 2025. And I know that's going to make some people pissed. I'm with um, you. I'm with you, Nick. Yeah. So, but again, we'll see, man, that's so far off and in college football today, it's literally stuff changes dramatically yes. by the day. So uh, we'll see, but it'll be a lot of fun. And man, we have went way over on time, but it's just, <laughs> we're having so much damn fun, Joe. Like that. Yeah. I, I love talking, talking this ball and these questions have been phenomenal. It's really created. Like you said, some really good banter like and it's going to be a fun uh it's going to be fun talking about you know the bowl game you know next week and early signing day oh man i'm juiced so yes sir anything else to add from you joe nope nope uh appreciate everyone listening give us a follow on twitter and uh again we we really love the support we're getting from our first and gold community and the irish tribune community uh we're going to keep this thing rocking Yes, sir. Um, and as always, you know, be looking for us on Saturday uh, after, you know, hopefully a big Irish win uh, for those Twitter spaces. And then, of course, we'll be back next week. So make sure you get those questions in. But thanks for listening, guys. And uh, go Irish. Go Irish. Please rate and review our podcasts. We are available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at First and Gold Pod, at Nick Kramer IT, and at Joe underscore Kramer underscore IT. Don't forget to check out the Irishtribune.com and follow us on all of our socials at the Irish Tribune. Thanks for listening, and of course, go. Thank you.